Hello, welcome to the inaugural episode of the Crazy Cockatoo Games podcast. My name is Dirk Johnson and I'm the owner of Crazy Cockatoo Games, and I will be your host for today's episode. Today, my co-host will be Bruce Brand, and our guest will be Paul Franz of Franz Games. Bruce and I will be discussing one of our favorite games, a play-by-email game by Franz Games called Starfleet Warlord. Since this is our first episode, Bruce and I will take a few minutes to introduce ourselves. As I mentioned, my name is Dirk Johnson, and I am the owner of Crazy Cockatoo Games. My daytime job is running my software consulting company called Zetico. After having worked 28 years at Apple as a software engineer and engineering manager, I left a few years ago to start Zeticode and Crazy Cockatoo Games. Strategy and role-playing games have always been my hobby since I was a boy, playing everything from the James Bond 007 and Champions Tabletop RPGs to heading over to Panzer Leader, Panzer Blitz, Starship Troopers, and the like. I also did a fair amount of miniatures gaming, mostly using the Silent Death Spaceship Combat game. I started Crazy Cockatoo Games to give me an avenue to publish some of my homegrown games that I have been working on over the years, and recently got excited when I stumbled upon Starfleet Warlord. As soon as I found Starfleet Warlord, I contacted Paul, registered, and got involved. And now Crazy Cockatoo Games is working on a web-based client that will eventually replace the Java client for Starfleet Warlord. Now I'd like to introduce my co-host, Bruce Brand. Bruce, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, this is Bruce Brand, and uh, you know I'm having a great time on this. It's the first time podcasting anything, so it's for interesting there. So, um, I you know I've always enjoyed strategy games with my friends. Starfleet Battles comes back there, you know, many years ago with uh, my friend Clive and I and a lot of other friends, and uh, various different war games and and role playing games is my childhood, much to my detriment of my parents and their conception of me. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I remember back when I was reading Captain's Log magazines for Starfleet Battles, and I think in Captain's Log I saw an ad for the Starfleet Warlord through this, and I'm like, that sounds interesting. And I jumped in and played that back in college, way back in the 90s, and uh, played a game or a couple games back when the first version of it, when, you know, before it went into a second version, or at least two versions, I don't know, anyhow. And uh, I ended up winning one of the games back in 95. It was a three-week game. Back in college, I needed three weeks so that it was less, you know, impacting on my pay and my savings. But either way, it was a lot of fun. It took a year and a half to go through that. Um, you know, after that, I, you know, I, I started a real job, actually working for Electronic Arts and playing, you know, computer game testing and support in that and, you know, continued that. And now I do something totally different in tech support. Um, but uh, recently, a friend of mine said, hey, this game is still going, Starfleet Warlord that we played back when. And I said, really? So I jumped back in, and I, I tried it out. I played in 89 and 90, won both of those, very proud of that and everything. Now I'm 49, I heard 49, and continuing on. And, you know, I've enjoyed communicating with other players and talking about strategies and techniques in the game because there's a lot of little nuances, and that's something that we really want to bring out in this podcast is to is to try to share some of the knowledge, some of that tribal knowledge that some people know about, hey, have you tried this or seen this? Or have you noticed this rule deep in this rule book that you might not have seen? That's pretty key if you use it right. And um, actually, I'll be able to represent the, the newbie uh, perspective because <laughs> I've only played twice, technically. So that, 
And it's fun. It's great to bring the knowledge of everyone up to makes the game more fun when everyone's sort of playing on a closer to uh, to to level playing field. I might not give out all the secrets, but I want to give out enough so that people are more approachable to this game was the concept. You know, it's it, it's a new game. How do you play it? I don't know. But, you know, if you start learning some of the nuances, you start learning some of the dance within the game, It's it can be a lot more fun. So uh, that's where I'm at. Dirk came up with this podcast idea. Hopefully it helps out and people are interested somehow. <laughs> Got to keep that ace up your sleeve. Not going to give it all away. Huh? I won't give it all away, but there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out. And I got some friends that are going to be a little frustrated with the stuff that comes out. But, I, you know, it's key. It's, it's learn how to play and have more fun. So I'm hoping the podcast and these words, pearls of wisdoms that Bruce and other of our guests will share will, uh, will help grow the user base, makes it better for all of us. All right. Um, so we do have on our podcast today with us, of course, Paul Franz from Franz Games. Uh, if you are involved in Starfleet Warlord in any way, you know who Paul is. Paul runs the game, and uh, we're going to introduce him here in a second. Well, actually, uh, first we're just going to have – actually, Bruce, why don't you do the intro is just sort of like what is Starfleet Warlord? And then Paul, when he comes on, can correct anything that we've misspoke. <laughs> So I, you know, coming from its roots based in Starfleet Battles, absolutely, and Star Trek and such, it's a, it's a war game. It's a war game based on, on space and, you know, economy of grabbing terrain and grabbing resources and moving on and building things into combat and, and such. It, that's an essence. It's a war game based, in, based with a Star Trek theme. And uh, that's what's really fun about it is because when you have that history and, you have, and most of the people on there, they all have that love of, you know, the Star Trek races and things like that or, or such, you, it just adds that flavor to it and that fun and imagination of what's going on. So that, in essence, is to me, it's fun. All right. Excellent. All right. So uh, without further ado, we will now introduce our first guest. Our, our only guest for today for this podcast is Paul Franz. Paul, you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Obviously, I'm, I'm Paul Franz, um, owner of Franz Game. I'm also the proprietor, of not just Starfleet Warlord, but also SFB Online. For those who still play SFB, it's a great place to play people, you know, directly online. You know, you can play individually and, you know, face, kind of, quote, unquote, face-to-face. And it definitely has helped in this age of the pandemic. Um, when it comes to the description of Starfleet Warlord, you got it. For the most part, um, obviously, it's, yes, it's based off of the background background material for Star Trek, and obviously, you know, um, SFB. Uh, you know, SFB being uh, a uh, taking of the, the original series, that IP there, not not the new stuff, and adding things to it, things like the Zinnies, things like the Lyrans. Those things originally were not. In Star Trek, actually, I think the Zitties were added later in the comics, comics um, series, the book series as well. Somehow, yeah. Oh, did not know that because, of course, I've never actually read any of the Star Trek. Did I read any of the Star Trek? No, I didn't read any of the Star Treks. I bought a couple of them. Have yet to read them. I, 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 I buy too many books and don't read enough of them. That's <laughs> you don't want to know about the that, pile. That's me in games. <laughs> Well, I got some of those too. I got the one I got. I really need. To, I've read. I, I need to play with, which is Stratomatic um, Baseball, which is a kind of a 
cool kind of simplified version of baseball. I got a couple of baseball games. So while we while we re- derailed you for a second, it, this brings up a good first question that I've wanted to ask: Can we actually say Star Trek <laughs> in this podcast? I mean, I, that's yes. a licensed IP. We can say that Starfleet Warlords is in the what Starfleet universe of the original series. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's not like breaking any IP or anything. No, 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 oh, okay. no, no. If um, otherwise, there's gonna be a lot of websites out there in big trouble. Yeah, well, the the big thing usually with Paramount is not about using the name Star Trek. It's using the IP, the images, the the stories, everything, that kind of thing from Star Trek. That's when you get into trouble. Okay. Now, a lot of the fan sites don't get in trouble because they're fan sites. They don't actually earn any money by being fan sites per se. Right. Um you know, for use, basically. Right, exactly. And so they haven't gone after it. And, of course, the, the big issue for um, ADB and me um, is... So, hang on, Paul, well, sorry. Uh, would you yes. mind describing what ADB is for... Oh, I'm sorry. Emerald Design Bureau, they are the original creators of Starfleet Battles. And they, they originally created Starfleet Battles based off the technical um, manual the Star Trek technical manual, and they licensed it from from Franz Joseph himself. Didn't not from Paramount, not from any large company. They they did not actually license Star Trek material itself. They licensed that technical manual, and that's where they based all their stuff off of. So, so you can do Starfleet Warlord because you sub licensed from ADB. Is that right? I'm licensing from the ADB, yes. Got it. That, that's how I can use the background material. And again, um, moving onward, and that is Starfleet Word and basis is, yes, based off of the Star Trek universe and based off basically the, SM, the Starfleet Battles material. Yeah. But also, you got to remember, it's a 4X. That is, you, you know, you're, you're starting with a single sector also, um, and then you try to expand out. From that, and then using the expansion, you you grow your economy. Then you have battles with other players, battles with monsters and pirates. Um, also, what's called NPCs, non-player character those those fleets themselves. The as you as you traverse through this universe, um, and where where this, these the sectors are located, they're located in the greater Managelite cloud. The whole idea is that. This is after the Andromedan War. This is after all that's done when corporations take it over. And the corporations then basically they buy ships, old ships, from you know the, the empires, the, the different empires throughout the Alpha um, galaxy, you know, part of the galaxy. And the way they deliver those, there are things called warp gates. And those deliver the materials, they deliver the ships through the warp gates to wherever you have the warp gates located. Yeah, actually. And this setting is actually not in the Starfleet battles universe. It's actually a TV show in the Starfleet battles universe. Isn't that right? That I pull up the rule book in order to read the background. Yeah, but yeah, please, please do because I don't think I don't think it's I don't think it's based off of that. It's actually kind of supposed 
to be based off the whole idea of that the GMC was actually taken over by corporations. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the uh, manual. Please pull up the rule book because I don't yeah, have no, that right. Page three. <laughs> Go ahead. You got it, Bruce. Uh, I do. You know, it's after the trade wars. You know, it's the year yeah. 235, and it's after right. The that trade the, wars the, and... the X. You know, that's the um, most trade wars. If I recall correctly, are in the second generation X ships. Right, right. of Starfleet Battles world. Right. Exactly. Right. The, the Starfleet Battles timeline. Uh, All right. So I'm I'm going to read the uh, paragraphs. So it says, um, put another way, the Starfleet universe is based on a TV show seen within the real universe. You are sitting in the in your armchair in the real universe watching the TV show, and you observe that people on the screen were themselves watching a fictional television show. The characters on the show you are watching might suddenly exclaim, "That's rubbish! There's no such thing as a warp gate." If the Starfleet universe could be defined as real, Starfleet war, Warlord would still be fiction. Well, it's fiction within the fiction. That's right. It's a TV <laughs> it's a show. War game and fun. So there it's you go. a TV show within the TV show. Yeah, a little more <laughs> meta. I don't know if we can get meta, that. You know? <laughs> it is. But what that does is it allows it, it allows you to break some rules on the timeline. Like when the Andromeda, I think I was reading later in the rules about you know, there are certain ships that of races that were destroyed. So how could they be getting ships from these races? It's because and the, the, type the of, whole concept of warp gates and things like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Mean, it, it, it's a great way to explain the mechanics of the game. Oh, by the way, warning: you don't want to be hit by the frying pan of death from Gene. <laughs> don't call them races; call them empires. Oh, thank you. Right, she, she her seeking. Pan of death will seek you out and, and it will hit you. All right. Good to know. We will call them empires. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So we got the work gates. You're buying ships from the different empires. Mm-hmm. You know, they're setting the rules in which this fictional TV show, you know, excitement is happening. And that's your job is to run one of these empires within well, with these corporations, uh, these corporations, exactly. The corporations using the empire ships that you choose to, uh, to as a four X. You know, it, what is it? Explore, expand, uh, exterminate. Yeah, there's four X's. Exploit. <laughs> Exploit. Exploit. Thank you. Exactly. Uh, you know, which is it's it's a great framework, and there, there's a reason why you know four X games. Right. Right. Well, I'm just gonna just take a high level comment here. One thing that's really impressed me is the variety of strategies, the variety of things to do, decisions to make in this game. It's just sort of mind-blowing, actually. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's fun to watch or explain or figure out, you know, mistakes and, 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 and advantages that people do. You know, oh, you did that. I did this. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's all like every game, right? Yeah, you know, yep. all the way back to tic-tac-toe. <laughs> all right so so paul uh is would you like to share with us a little bit of the background history of starfleet warlord how it started how it got into your hands that kind of thing well my understanding of the history of starfleet warlord is that originally starfleet warlord was was part of um this the game called galactic conquest which is still available as a separate product and they've they've gone separate away from Starfleet Warlord. And Bruce Grawl 
created Starfleet Warlord as a paid product. Now, you got to remember one thing about this. Starfleet Warlord, when it was initially created, was back in the 90s. Now, back back in those days, the internet, what internet? There was no internet. It was a lot more loose and, you know, fast and loose, right? Yeah, you you might you might be able to get some email, you know, the web. What's the web? I don't know what the web is. You know, I still remember in those days when you could actually use email to to FT if you didn't have access to the actual internet internet, you could use email to ask for a file via FTP to these certain email um, FTP gateways. Yep. <laughs> That was That's back when email had a capital E in front of it, as my parents would say. Email <laughs> me. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. So back in, in that days, Starfleet Warlord was a mail-based game. You physically, you know, you would send in your orders via mail. And, you know, and writing and all. You know, you know the, the, the letters actually come in the mailbox, you know, the real mailbox. The one that yeah. actually go out to the curb. Or go down, go down the steps and open your little box, you know. Yeah. That kind, of, that that kind of place, um, and you would send it, and then you, you then could, res- then you know, you'd send your orders. Bruce, Bruce would then enter in an order that you know, entering into the into the engine, and then after the, I ran those orders, then he'd mail them out again. And at some point. In the history of it, he actually created an, an actual Starfleet Warlord aid, so he actually could send out um, floppy disks to people, and then the people could then send floppy disks back. And so, that instead of having to write everything things down, they actually write it on a piece of paper, and then have Bruce enter it. They, the person could use the aid to create the orders. Then you could just Put the floppy in, mail the floppy back to to Bruce, and Bruce then would read that from off the floppy, and then run load it into the engine, and wing, it would go flying, which was a lot better for both group Bruce and both and the player because the player then could have a validation of the orders that they gave. Yeah, because that's that is one of the things that is part of currently Starfleet Warlord today, which is I am a dumb machine. If you ask me to enter your orders and your orders are wrong, the engine will tell you you're wrong. I know they're wrong, but I have to enter in as you you put them. <laughs> yeah, welcome to my mistakes. Uh, I look back. Really? Did I? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of those reasons why you know I really encourage people to use the aid as, as much as possible because of the aid. It's not perfect. It doesn't always get it 100% right. But it's much better than doing it by hand. Right. Okay. So let's clarify. The aid you're referring to now is not the one that Bruce Graw wrote. It's and you have to be sloppy. <laughs> Actually, it it, 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 um, it is and it is not. Um, his, his, his was DOS based, right? And yours is and, and Java. And we still have a, a version of that available for download wow. from playbyemail.com. Let's play dash by dash e dash mail.com. The history of that is that I couldn't get playbyemail.com without the dashes. <laughs> when, I, when I first created it, I, that wasn't available. <laughs> Got it. 
So I was like, oh, okay, because I, I originally had planned on this being one product of many that I, that I, I would introduce. Obviously, oh, that's great. Obviously, that has, in the many, many years, I've been running Starfleet Warlord. I've yet to, to expand to other games. All right, but, but there's still time, right? Oh, there's plenty <laughs> of time until the day I die. <laughs> So back to the aid, it's it's a Java based the one that you currently are advancing is the Java based version yes. of the aid. Mm-hmm. And it's the one you recommend we use. Right. And and then just as a side note, you're working with me and my company. Um, I have some software engineers that are working on a web based version of the client. Okay. Um, okay. So Bruce Crawl was doing this many years as part of his business, Ages of Gaming. That's and Part, that, that's, that was just one thing of his business. Another thing of his business was selling miniatures. He would actually create miniatures for ADB, and then ADB would sell them. That's awesome. You know, basically, um, Steve Cole, the, the, the designer of Starfleet Battles, the head of ADB, would contract with Bruce, and Bruce would do that. Now, um, <laughs> the problem, which... Which got to finally got to, to Bruce, which was Bruce Grohl got tired. He got tired of running Starfleet Warlord because it was a lot of drain on him, um, time wise. And any, anyone w- could tell you that Starfleet Warlord itself, if you are entering orders by hand, yeah. is a very laborious task. And I'm not sure. If he ever tried moving to email, I'm pretty sure he didn't. I'm pretty sure it was all physical at that at that point. You know, sending still sending the discs for for the. It's actually one thing that Bruce Grohl did do before that is that he um, sublicensed it to an outfit in Europe that was also running Starfleet Warlord, and they. Basically, he gave them permission to run the run the turns, which makes a lot of sense if you think about it. Because of, can you imagine mailing a piece of mail from Europe to the United States and then mailing it back? The cost involved. Yeah, talk about, disc and all the things that are incorporated in that. Yeah. Yep. Talk about cutting into your profits. That's one heck of a way to do it. Right. That's why, actually, in theory, now this is in theory. I, if anybody wants it, I will be happy to mail them orders, happy to mail them turns, and they can send them in themselves. I'm more than happy to, to, to do that. All right. So, Paul, how did you come to uh, run and manage uh, Starfleet Warlord? As I said, Bruce Quall was getting tired of this. It was taking too much time, too much effort for him to do to run, run Starfleet Warlord. So he told ADB, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. So what happened is ADB, i.e. Steve Cole, um, contacted me and said, Paul, would you be interested in continue to running Starfleet Warlord? I went, what's Starfleet Warlord? <laughs> <laughs> One thing to remember is that the, the rules of Starfleet Warlord were created by Bruce Grawl. Bruce Grawl owns the, the copyright and owns that the rules basically now 
when I, when I when I contacted him, we we worked out the details and so forth, and basically, he said at the at the very end, "Look, I, I was making it a lot more complicated than than he was." He finally at the end at the end of the conversation, basically, he finally said, "Look, I just want to get rid of this. You just pay me this this certain percentage fee for how much you, when it comes to the turns that you run." You know, and I'm happy. You can do what you can modify the rules. Do whatever you want to do with Starfleet Willard. It's all it's all yours. Take care of it. Have fun. Nice. So, you know, and that's when I went. Ooh, cool. And I I I I, I was so excited at the beginning of all of this, going, oh wow, cool! I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And I still haven't done a lot of those things. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep those ideas. I'm sure you, you will. Well, part of the idea actually was what you're doing. Oh, good. Yeah, because actually <laughs> the funny part about that, in my mind, is that what I wanted back then is still what I want for the, what I want for the future of Starfleet Warlord. A lot of that is, one, web-based. Have it so that it was available on the web, so you can do whatever you want to do it. And Lord knows, um, there's a good reason for that these days, because um, these days so many things are done in the web browser, and um, more importantly, it's getting harder and harder to install freaking applications on these different platforms. Trying, trying to. I, I I tried to do something for SFB Online where I, I upgraded the JDK to be. One of the more advanced JDKs, you know, from JDK 8 to JDK 11, which actually I used Adopt JDK, which is a little more advanced. And on Windows, a lot of people were having problems where basically the antivirus was thinking that it was a virus. And yeah. that becoming more, more and more difficult. I, I finally, it took me, geez, how many years? At least, at least over a year to finally figure out how to sign an application on the Mac platform and then have it notarized. So it all worked because there was, the, the steps aren't simple. You know, so I figured if, if I go web-based, it, things are going to a heck of a lot simpler. And that's, that was one of those things that I thought of from the beginning. Another one of those things that I thought of and I still want to do in the future, which is the original, one of those original ideas was to take the source code, rewrite it into like Java well, originally Java because that's what I knew. Um, possibly still stick to Java because currently the the code base, the whole SF um, Starfleet Warlord engine is written in Clipper. Now, for those of you who don't know what the heck is Clipper, if you were alive and at least a teenager in the nineties. You know what Clipper is, because back in those days, there was DOS, and DOS had what's called um, DBase. DBase was basically a record manager that had all this power behind it, so you actually could create programs in this product and create, you know, create, you know your, your text-based UI with fields and all that kind of thing. Um, and you could actually um, create a program. And Clipper was a, a next level of DBase, which was created by oh, was it Computer Associates, I think it was. No, actually, no, it wasn't 
was it created by Computer Associates? I don't remember. That might have been bought by Computer Associates. Yeah. But anyway, these days, I actually, I have to, there's an open source compiler called Harbor, which I use for compiling the Clipper. That's so I can, I can do some fixes and things like that. But the whole idea was rewriting Java so that it could be a completely automated process. Right. That you, you could submit it to the web server. It would then go, okay, fine. Okay, you got your orders. You got your orders. You got your orders. Okay. And run. It would run the orders. And then everybody would get notified that, oh, your orders are ready. And boom, it would come back. And it, and it could be read right back into the client so they don't even have to deal with files. What client? You wouldn't have a client. It would be right there on the web, ser- web server. The web server. Yeah, the web client is what I'm referring to. Right. Well, yeah, that'd it, it, all be part of a, a single integrated solution. Exactly. Um, and that—that's one of those things that I've—I've I've wanted to do. I just never got around to doing. It. I always got sidetracked by different things, whether it's family issues to to SFB online taking over to <laughs> stuff for the world, because that's always the issue. When I, when I when I do what I what I do. Yes. So that's sort of that's sort of surprising that Starfleet Warlords is not your life. <laughs> well, let's put it this way: this is my what's, what's called these days my side hustle. Those two things are my side hustle. I've got an actual paying job that pays me to be an eight hour, eight and a half hour, maybe longer um, day. <laughs> um, you know, for an actual multinational corporation. Yeah. So this is sort of Starfleet beer money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, hey, hey, the, 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 I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest here. One of the reasons why I, I love doing SFB online, love doing Starfleet World, especially SFB online to begin with, was that I could pay for my, um, uh, my electronics addiction, addiction. You know, I could have it so that. I could use the money that I, I earned from SOB Online Starfleet Warlord, take that money, put it into the, you know to a new laptop, and I could that's a, that's a business expense because it was used for my business. I used it for running and developing for SOB Online and Starfleet Warlord. Yeah. So it was a business expense, but also I get the new toys. So awesome. it allowed me to do that. So and and doing that allowed me to cut back, keep you know taxes down because it was a business expense, and um, and so you know it it helped helped me in that regard. So I, I didn't I never earned that much money, so I didn't have to pay that much more taxes on right. that. All right, Bruce. So fire some questions. Uh, I know you play Starfleet Battles. Have you, did you ever play games of Starfleet Warlord? Have you gone in as a player? <sighs> be honest, not really. The only time I actually really kind of quote unquote played Starfleet Warlord was with Bruce Grawl. When he I first he first you know when I first got approached about the game, he actually created a game for me and I played a few turns to try to understand what is this game that I'm about to inherit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, so that's about as much as I played. I never actually played it as a player. That makes sense, you know, and, and that and that's cool. So you know, I, you know, coming as a player perspective, because you know, you know, what can players do to help the game run smoother, other than get it turns on on time? Because that's an obvious. You know, when we sort of police ourselves at times on Facebook of, hey, it's in, hey, it's in, you know, and 
And the, and the second part of that is, you know, once all the turns are into you, what kind of an effort is it to actually turn it around and get it back out? When it comes to the players, one of the, one of the obvious ones that would really help me to get things going, everyone use electronic turns. Because electronic turns, I can easily bring in, bring into the engine. Because I'm still doing this manually. I have not made the process. Electronic turns is an email you a picture of my turn, but uh, you know of what my handwritten write notes are, in no. it, or even or even an emailed version of the the ships file, which has places <laughs> to type in your your vada. But actually, utilizing the aid that right. is available to use, so that it generates the actual text file that right. it automatically imports and runs. Correct. So Correct. Eliminate that that you typing somebody else's typing in. Exactly. Exactly. Because I, that that helps me in two ways. Number one, I don't have to worry to try to to um, enter in all the orders, which takes time, depending upon the number of pages. I hard game with it. You know, get up to 180 ships or such. That's a, it. Takes me 20 minutes to do my side. Right. Realize at some point I disabled the limitation. I disabled this limitation of 200 ships. Right now it's 250, but originally it was 200. I disabled that for, for a while. And I got to the point where Doc, God rest his soul, um, had gotten up to 15 pages of orders. <laughs> That's when I, I, was, I, was gonna, I was thinking about, you know, saying, okay, after 10 pages, you have to pay me an extra dollar for every single page. But then I realized, you know, that's unfair. You're the, doing well, so I'll charge you more, right? No, 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 no. Because that means only the people who, who can afford that that can do that. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and if everybody yeah. used the electronic version, maybe we could knock off the 250 limit period. Uh, no, we couldn't. Um, and that, that there's a different reason for that. Um, okay. But, you know, currently I, I increased it to 250. You know, I said to 250. I increased it to 250 after, you know, they said, you know, 200 is too, too small. So I was like, okay, I increased it to 250. And I set the limit to 250, figuring that was another constraint on the players. And that's another thing they have to figure out. And which, in my mind, as a developer, give me constraints to work under. And I'm going to be the most inventive about how I use those, do what I need to do under those constraints. Right. So question, if uh, let's say that we were to get the, you know, we have the client going, the the web-based client going, would you consider like only accepting turns via the new client? Uh, Or do you think that would be too limiting to our current player base? I think it'd be currently too limited to the current client base. Um, but I'm hoping, here's what I'm hoping. I like the, the carrot approach of things. That is encouraging people to help them to see the benefits of how it helps them to do things better and more easily. If it saves me time doing my turn, if it does some back-end things like helping me know the economy and how it goes and keeping me from typing in the wrong hex so my ship doesn't move because you can't go there. You put in the wrong hex. Oh. You know, that that's a serious carrot to help me get my turn in right. Understood. Right. Yeah, agreed, agreed, agreed. And, okay, now here's something that I'm not sure, Bruce, that you've ever known, which is there is – 
in certain ways. There are, I did. I, I accidentally did this one time. I actually corrected someone's movement, and they said, "No, I didn't want you to do that." And the the movement I corrected made it so they actually could move. They didn't want that. They wanted the, them to go to another hex and actually physically bounce. They wanted it to be a bounce. Yep. So it's I, like, I can understand that. You know, you, it's hard to read other people's minds. You're trying to do the right thing, but you don't know exactly what it is, and you're left with that's that's what why they I give you, right. That's why I came up with the rule: never correct. If they yeah. type type in the the movement wrong, type it in wrong, because it's possible that they're actually doing that on purpose. So you know, because they they were planning on a bounce, then to do something else. Got me on why you would want to bounce, but I'm sure there's something quirk in the engine, which I don't know about, which they're taking advantage of. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that in future episodes, Bruce is going to elaborate on that. We'll use oh. the word utilize, not take advantage of But Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's not a bug. It's a feature. It's a feature. It is. It's a feature of how the game turns work. Okay. <laughs> Great. All right. Next question. Um, so, so how much effort is it for you to run a turn other than typing it in? If everyone is to put in things electronically, for example, you know, right. I, you know, does it take you? Does the does the system crunch for thirty minutes and spit no, it out, or is no. it a go done over? Send it go out. done over. Basically, if I, I've got, I'm I'm pretty good at this by now, where I can just say, okay, go in here, load the load the orders. Okay, good, execute. Boom! Create the turns. Next, 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 and I next, that, next, next, uh, next, that takes like me around, file. Yeah, like exactly. five or ten seconds, maybe. Well, that that's good to know order. because sometimes you wonder about how crunchy this is and how background, you know, the overall. No, oh, especially given that this is originally DOS based, and <laughs> the funny part is that the, some of the, I still haven't modified the text on some of the stuff. Where the creation of a new game, it says, sit back, relax. This might take a couple hours. <laughs> it takes maybe a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, welcome to the, the 90s, exactly. Oh, like, exactly. Actually, um, originally, I, I did, I, right now these days, I, I actually run it on a Windows VM. I previously ran it on, under DOSBox on a Mac, directly on the Mac, and that take actually takes quite a while. That still takes quite a bit of time because the emulation isn't that great. Right, and that makes I, sense. Yeah, I never yeah. figured out how to speed that up. So you know, the other thing is, I see a lot. You know, new players coming in, and even I've you know I've played back, and I've you know coming back into the game. You, the, a lot of times, you run into the same issues or same things. For instance, we have some issues for in the ship listing where. Some of the ships are misnamed or there's some typos or things that aren't quite there. How open are you to helping from the player base to help you out? I mean, if we've got someone who's got, you know, the full PDF file, they can modify it and republish it. Would that help you? Would that make it better? Or, or is it something you want to be taking care of as the administrator? No, I'd, I'd be happy to have people help me out. I just have to, one thing I need to look at, though. The, okay, let me go back on this. And that is the ship list that I created was actually a conversion of the original files themselves. 
I generated because Bruce Grohl had a physical file. Actually, he, yeah, I've got the printed book downstairs in a box somewhere. So yeah, right, exactly. And one thing about those rules, those rules never were on a computer. Actually, there might have been a computer, but they died in the great hard drive crash. <laughs> we'll call it Y2K issue. Well, yeah, yeah basically, in Bruce Grawl's great hard drive crash, he lost some Omega empires that he had written up. He lost the source code for the Starfleet Warlord DOS-based aid. And I wanted to bet if he had entered that those that um, rule book into the computer, they would have been lost too. Wow. Well, you know, it's good to know. And I, cause I see things, you know, there's just ships, for instance, you know, Federation F flagship has a capital S. It looks like a big scout. I fell into that hole when I came back in the game thinking it was a full scout. Hey, feds are great at scouts, but it's not in the functionality. So those are the kinds of things that I would hate for, New players to come in and see. You mean a regular a, scout, a regular Fed scout? Well, no, it's uh, the, oh. the the Federation flagship police cruiser. It, all oh, the other geez. ones in the game have a small S, and they're small scouts. The Federation one has a big S, and I'm thinking, hey, Feds are great as scouts. Maybe it's a special one, and and yet when you actually use it, you find out that hey, it only does you know ship scans. It's those kind of little errors that I would hate for new players to fall into. And we want to get, you know, I'd love to get credit because we've, we've identified them. We just need to get the creation. So, you know, I've got a friend who's got, you know, full on version of PDF files. He can edit it and republish it, put it back to you. And with the detail of all changes to make sure we got error correcting in it and, and get those things corrected. I think it'll be, it, it would help new players. That's one of the big things we want for this podcast is to, is to try to help new players get into this mm-hmm. game. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I I agree. The one thing that I would like to do instead of modifying a PDF, I like to modify the data source, a a data source, whether it's it's sending someone an Excel spreadsheet or a CSV file or something along those lines. Yeah, I've got it in Excel already. So, yeah. And here's the reason why. Because of currently there's two versions of that ship list. Yep. There's one which is I, if I call it quickly, because I'm not the one that, that's by year and size, and right. I think the other one is purely by year, by, right? By and, and by um, um, empire, right? In empire, all all of them are sort, sorted by empire exactly, but right. and so one of them has one input and 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 the other one has another one, and one's right and the other's wrong, and there you go. Right. So, so yeah. it, it'd be best if we could have a data, some kind of data source which we, we could then generate the reports from, and then instead of mod- having to modify the, the output, we actually could modify the input. Makes and sense. I, I think that, that would be much, much um, better overall. So, so uh, we can – we can discuss offline how to set up a way for people to submit like corrections to you, Paul, and and we'll work on someone volunteering to to make those updates. Yep, yep. Uh, Just need the, the process to make those yeah. updates exactly, we'll, we'll, we'll or at least bring them that. together into a single moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Well, I'm, I'm sure we'll discover more and more over time, right? As soon as people start submitting, and exactly. Yeah. Good. All right. Yeah. Also, rules clarifications I want to put on there too. Some of them, being a newbie, were a bit vague for me. Yep. And there's a, there's a nuance to the game, and we can get in that in the future where not yeah. all things happen at the same moment, and that's right. part of the technique of playing the game in the yeah. same. Right. Level. 
Right, because that's one thing that I think, well, for most people who know Starfleet Warlord, they know how the war, well, how an orders are run. Right. I mean, everything, it, the computer is one thing at a time. And, you know, exactly. Right. Right. The, okay. Just, just a reminder of those folks who are new to Starfleet Warlord. When it come, oh, that's another thing that I wanted to do, which I never got around to do, which I'm still not quite sure. It would definitely change the dynamic of Starfleet Warlord greatly. And here's here was the thing I was thinking about doing, which is currently the way Starfleet Warlord works. Starfleet Warlord runs orders one player at a time, and it, you know it goes through the orders, you know the, the movement orders first, or the um, miscellaneous orders first, depending you know depending upon which one you want to do because you or not. You can yeah, exactly, um, but it goes through and runs and moves first one uh, impulse one you know movement pulse one movement pulse two three four and does that one you know do it does that pulse one at a time for that turn for that player. One of the things I, I thought about doing, which I I never got around to thinking about it because it requires. First, I have to I have to first do the conversion first before I can really play with the mechanics. The whole idea was that still have the players involved, but you have to have all the players' turns in, which I currently I I require because that was one of the issues they had back in the day in Starfleet Warlord, where they'd have someone run their orders first, and then later on somebody would run their orders. Well, but by the time that they had the other person submitted their orders. They got intel from the first player. Uh. They got their, had their turns run earlier than them, so then they can adjust what had happened based on what happened to that person. Yeah. Yep. When turns didn't run simultaneously, get mailed at the same time. Process yeah. hacking, or you get the time, and it's specifically in the rule book that if you delay your turn. And you get knocked down in the turn order, and then you turn in another turn really quickly. You get a double turn. Turn, yep. You know that was eliminated in, in you know in the in the snail mail version. You delayed your turn, you get knocked down in the turn order, so you get down to the bottom. But that helped and, a lot. And that's one thing. I, that's one of those things when I came when I came and took it over. I took I removed. I went nope. Yeah, I mean when everybody's turns together, the turn the game is run at the same time. Which that's a whole nother topic of the podcast is how to understand what you see has always changed. Okay. I don't know. I've talked to a lot of players. They're like, well, I saw him there. He should be there. Nope. Everything has moved by the time that your turn comes around. And it's a, it's a concept that people have to understand within the game. Oh, understood. Um, yeah. Now, okay. Let me just get back to what I was, I was going to finish what I was going to say, which was that what I was thinking about doing was have it so that you ran the movement pulse one for all the players. So everybody's movement occurred at the same time. And I can, I can understand that concept, but you'd have a problem if two groups moved into the same hex, who's attacking and who's defending. Well, you still have an order. You still have to have an order. Still do it in order, but process everyone's pulse one in order, and then everyone's pulse two in order. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But it is. Yeah. Okay. I I, I I can understand what you're saying. So every turn goes around. Yeah. Okay. So it'd be obviously that would be a huge change for the way Starfleet Warlord currently runs. Right. 
And the nice thing is when you work on your new engine, you can have people sign up for the game, the old game engine, if they want things the way they used to run, and then you could sign up for a game on the new engine. Right. Which sort of segues into the concept. Do you have a, a, a schedule of what the next game will come out with these kinds of options? Or is it something that you sort of come up with on the fly that, okay, we're ready for a new standard game. We're going to use these options ah. for things like that. Mm-hmm. At the moment, no, I don't, I don't normally, I don't have a plan on what is going to be the next tweaks to the game for the next turn, the next game that comes up. Usually, usually those, okay, some of them come from players themselves. They, they say, you know, can we do this? And I go, why not? You know, you've got enough people interested in doing that. Okay, next next game we'll do that. And usually they're, they're talking about that when the current game is finishing up. Yeah, you're looking forward. I mean, and, and how many do you want to run at the same time, right? Yeah. Currently, I, the, I like four games. I could actually run more than four games if I could get everyone working using electronic orders. Because there's one thing I did not, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention about way back uh, one of the original questions, which is another reason why I like people using electronic orders is because I don't have to worry about my own screw ups. Yeah. Because I've had more than one occasion where I've, I've mistaken what the person wrote down. They wrote it down correctly. I screwed up in entering it. And then I have to figure out what is the correct correction. I have to make a judgment call about, because in some cases people lose ships because I did something which, okay, that ship goes through a, a sector because I entered in the, 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 the movement wrong and it goes through a one of the hexes where basically it's going to destroy the ship and it does. Or get in combat and affect two players. Exactly. Right, or a combat where you know you, you run into a monster which you had he had planned on going around the monster and not heading right towards him. So then I have to, usually in some cases, I have to take ships that I currently got deleted. I have to re-add them and then figure out what the stats were beforehand. Yep. You know, and that, that takes a long time. Of course, the two of the biggest time sucks at the moment when it comes to Starfleet Warlord is, number one, is... You know, the manual orders and, and correcting them. Number two is answering questions. Because unfortunately, here's the one problem. I did not write the engine. I did not write the rules. So each and every time someone actually asks me a question about the rules, I have to, one, I look it up in the rule book and see if it's found, if I can find it there. Then I had to go into the code itself and double check to see exactly what does the code say should happen. I and the most one of the most frustrating questions I ever get asked when it comes to players is why did this happen? I mean, yep, I've sent those to you. I know. So yeah. Well, in your case, I, yeah, I try to do my homework at least when I look at it. Try to right, I'll figure right. it out. And because there have been, because there have been, because remember one thing about, usually, usually it's about combat. 
It's not like I keep that the engine keeps in a record of combat about what what the internal status was at this point in time and all that kind of thing. Those things aren't aren't recorded. I just have to go back and look at the code and go, is this possible? Yeah. So I, I remember when I was on my first game, I asked you about why this combat turned out the way it was. And I pointed to uh, the description of how combat damage is calculated in the rules. And you, you replied to me, no, I've looked at the code. That's not how it works. <laughs> there you go. So uh, that's one of the... Go ahead. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one of the things that maybe in the way when we update the rules, we can, you know, have them aligned with how the, the code works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. That's one thing I did I did I did work on for, for a little bit of time when people pointed it out, which was the um, events, special events and the conditionals on those events. Because one thing to always keep in mind about special events, period is the engine was not designed from the get-go that players control events. Yep. I, I totally could see that. Things just were supposed to happen. Right. The, the original game, you had events, good and bad. And then you and then you, you oh, you lost a ship because of this special event. Or, oh, no, you got this great power because of this special event. And the engine is designed so that if the engine goes, oh, hey, wait a minute, you've already used that event. Go, go try another event. It you just know, randomly picks a different randomize, one. Random, yeah. Randomize and pick another one. And or the, this one can't occur, therefore it randomly picks another one. Right, exactly, exactly, because of the conditionals. And that's because that's the way the engine was designed. And then people have to go ask, oh, well, well, why did why did they not use my event? Well, either one, you try using the event twice, and you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to use the event once in a game. Or two, another conditional was not applied. It's like, oh, well, did that, you know, did that mean it used that order? And it's like, no, it didn't, because uh, the conditional didn't apply. Yeah, I, the event, for instance, would you know pick a special, an extra special for your sector. If it lands on the site that already has a special, it randomly chooses another one, and yep. that's the luck of the draw. Actually, the, the funny part is about the standard game. I've seen people, people, people. Please look at the type of game that you're playing. Number one. Number two. Look at the rules that we put in place. <laughs> Yep, because if it says no events, don't ask for one. Exactly, which is which is what I say. Like multiple people asking for events. They you know, have event, put it, and the computer said, I'll, "I'll try to do that." And of course, it doesn't do anything because the the events have been disabled. Yeah, it's the design of the game. Exactly. Yep. You know, RTFM. Read the frigging manual. Yep. Well. To be fair, there's a lot to read and, tr- and to absorb. So. Yeah, but, <laughs> oh, yeah. well, at least that's that's like entry into the game. Learn the rules of the game you're starting with, right? right. And that some people, no said, events. yeah. When I when I said this is this is a standard game, I don't think they really realized when I saw some of the some of the submissions for the initial bills and going, nope, that 
they don't realize this is a standard game. They think this is a diehard game. Yeah, overproducing or expecting, yeah. Expecting a thousand eeps to start the game. No, you start with 300. Right. And since it's not a diehard game, you can actually ask for a loan. And that's usually how, in a standard game, that's how you start. You start yeah. with nine you, ships and a loan, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, the first, first order is a loan. And then you can, so then you can buy more ships. And some people, they didn't ask for a loan, so they only want to buy like three ships. Yep. All right. So, so just to change topics a bit. So, how many players do you have, active or semi active? Um, active slash semi active, I have to say at the moment, I say like 30. It's a very small, small group at the moment that are, that are actively playing. Got it. How, how many would you say are like, I, I'm, I assume people take like breaks in between. Sometimes. Yes. So, so what's the total player base? Would you say that you'd still count as a player? I have to say around 50. All right. So what can we do? to help grow the user base. Cause I think all of us would agree that a larger user base would be beneficial from many, for, for many reasons. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's one of the, some of the um, reasons I'm yeah, Derek, cause I know, I know I've talked to you about this before yeah. and that yeah. is some of the visions I have for the future. Meaning um, one, obviously what you're doing plays into that. But in addition to that, what I really want to do is have it so the engine is completely and utterly automated. The whole idea is this. Um, a person can sign up, you know, say, okay, give me, give me email address, you know, have it so they can go to the landing page, enter their email address, say, okay, great, congratulations. You, you know, if you want to play a game, here, you can play this free game. You know, it's like a, a learner, what I call a learner's game. It's a three-by-three three hex game playing by, like, the diehard orders. Um, to a certain degree. I, I leave events out. Learn the mechanics, but, right? Yeah. Right. The idea is learn the mechanics or just practice. Give the players an automated way of putting in orders Run their run their turns, get back their feedback, and play again. And so that they, so people that aren't part of the big game, you know, the one that actually involves playing with other players, can still hone their skills when it comes to tactics and so forth involved in the game itself. And actually, I had an idea about that um, a little while ago. Actually, it's a couple of years now. Um, and the idea was to create that and then basically have it as a challenge. Whoever got the, the um, best score would get, I don't know, you know, a $20 credit. Whoever, for, that, whoever, for that month, whoever had the best score, given that there's a certain number of players, playing, you know, Playing this this you know single player game, which would be free because it's automated, 
I, it required no help from me. It would be completely automated. You know, and then and then you, I could have like a score, um, a um, keep a. Uh, uh, I was not not a scoreboard, a um, leaderboard. Leaderboard, yes, yeah. thank you. A leaderboard, so you can see who you're who you're competing against. Yeah, and everyone would start with the same map, and you could choose your own races, kind of thing, and then go right. or something like yeah. that. You know, someone's stay same world, but a different race if you wanted to, or excuse me, a different empire. Thank you. There you go. Thank you. No problem. You know, which would be great because then you could start learning how to play different empires. You know, one of the things I'm like, well, I like this one. I'm always going to choose this one or something like that. Right. So another newbie perspective here is uh, some sort of tutorial. And this would, you know, play into this being like a tutorial, having a solo mode where you're just playing against the computer would be really advantageous because the pauses of one week or two week between turns, just with everything I have going on in my head throughout the week, it's like I can't solidify things right really quickly when I'm only taking turns every week or two weeks. Oh, understood. Which is which is why I want to have that automated that that single learner game to be an automated game. Yeah, yeah. no, you know, your hands off, and they're just running through it. Exactly, right? They're running through it. They could they could play five turns in in a day if they want. You know. Yeah. Exactly. And what would be really cool, and they do this a lot with roguelikes, you know, the old, the old style, old school roguelikes, you know, the, the uh, characters running around a dungeon is what I'm referring to. Is you start, everyone starts with the same random seed, and therefore they're sure that things will work exactly the same way if people take exactly the same moves. And then you can have different random seeds each month that people compete on, and so they get a different game, a different experience, um, and you can keep that going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So basically we have a, a same basic setup for, you know, for that month. Right. Awesome. Well, we are winding down to the end of the podcast. Bruce, did, did you, you want to ask one more question? Do you have any more questions? Yeah. The only other thing, you know, cause I have people or I see things on Facebook where people are like, what about this? Can we add this? Can we add this or, or change this? What kinds of things are possible? I mean, a geologist as an offer officer that gives you, you know, notification mode or gives you a bonus to prospecting, for example, is that something that could ever be added to the game? I don't know what I'm the kind of guy who asks for everything the programmers <laughs> see what they can do. Right. I mean, you could right. say no, or you could say yes, or that would be harder. Sure. Yeah, sure. That's okay. just a flip and switch. Here's, here's the difficult part. And I truly mean this. The difficult part is not the programming. And actually in some cases there, there, there is a programming issue and, I have one issue at the moment, which is Andromedans into the graveyard, yeah. which I don't see how the heck I can solve it. Yeah, we, but, yeah, don't do it. That's the rule. Yeah, you're not allowed to do it. If I, if I find out to do it, I will remove your ships. Oh, yeah, that just, yeah, anyway, I'm sorry. That's something I fall out. I'm sorry, Paul. Jerry, that's something I found my first game back. I started playing this. I'm like, this is impossible. Uh, you know, according to the rules, and and you came back. Yeah, it is. And then we came out. No, wait. Now we figured out what they did. But anyways, I apologize. I what? 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 Can Andromedans can't go into the graveyard. So there is a specific rule in the game that says you cannot dis you cannot send a Andromedan with linked ships into the graveyard. But I think okay. that the 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 engine will allow it, and. As a player, I happened to have a base there, and I saw seven ships show up in the same hex <laughs> in the graveyard. I'm like, 
that's impossible. I'm trying to, I'm running down every rabbit hole. I'm like, okay, I'm back new in the game. Maybe there's monsters and the monsters pop up on turn six in the graveyard and they're going to start going different directions. But, you know, and it ended up taking, unfortunately taking a community to, to get it recognized and corrected. And, and Paul, thank you for correcting it and fixing no that problem. issue because, you know, going into the graveyard with seven ships, that's a little huge advantage, you know, and it, and it came back to, yeah, you can't go in and it specifically states in the rules. You can't do it. Unfortunately, there's the written rules and there's the computer rules. And that's right. what I think that's what it came down to, Paul. Right. Because the, the computer, the, the engine itself did not have the ability to say, no, you can't do that. Yeah. And so it, 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 it comes down to personal, you know, was it discipline and self-discipline? This is the self-discipline. Don't take things that are blatantly, completely black and white against the rules because the engine lets you. You know, there's a difference between that and taking and, and utilizing the game the way that the engine and the pro and the game runs. Yep. Agreed. Um, but okay, that's the number one. That's one part is is the development. Sometimes it's difficult. As I said, that's one of the things that I looked at and went, I don't think I can solve it. Um but there's there's also the other part of this, because this is not just a program anymore. This is like an RPG or one of you know these um, uh, these other game engines where if you modify the rules, you have to look to see what are the things that how will that change the balance of things in the game? Right, the ripple effect. Yep, spider web. Yeah. Right. Oh, because that's one thing that the person who may not be named had asked for for a while, which is a lot of the Andromedan C four A ships to be added to the to the engine. And the biggest issue I had with a lot of that was that the way I saw it, the ships weren't that different. There are little tweaks here, little tweaks there. And what it actually was, the way I saw a lot of it, there were some ships, yeah, we could probably add. But a lot of the ships, there's no way it would be added. And here's the, here's the only reason why. The only reason why I would not have been adding those, some of those ships is because, in my mind, it was a workaround. Workaround of the penalty rule, which is that if you buy the same ship at the, on the same turn, you get a, you have to have, you have to pay a penalty. I think it's in, co in cost. Yeah, in cost. one of the limitations of Andromedan specifically is they don't have a lot of ships. So if you're going to be building them, you've only got a few to choose from. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I you know uh, yeah okay here's ten more ships that are effectively and, identical. Well now you can just build ten more. Right, and it's and it's, the thing is it's not just the Andromedans. It's any of the empires. You know, if people want me to add ships, I'll, I'll, I will be happy to look at them. But I will need to look at them and see okay, what is a true difference about this ship when it comes to the strength and weaknesses of this ship when it comes to the, the stats that are going to be put into the engine versus all the rest of the ships. If it's just a one little tweak number here, one little tweak number there, no, forget it. Yeah. Because and basically, that'll be a topic later on in our podcast of you know choosing your primary race. I mean, you've got things ship, you know, rate. Excuse me, empire. empire. 
Empire. You've got empires that have a lot of ships and empires that have just a few. And there's a reason to choose a mix. You know, if you choose three with only, you know, 20 ships to choose from, you're going to be really hampered later on. But uh, yep. anyhow. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, but that's that's one of those things. You know, so, yeah. but yeah, I can modify it. But as I said, there has it might not be possible to modify it to add the rule because of the unintended consequences of adding such a rule, such ability. But would you be open to people making suggestions on rules, even to review them and say, this is yes. really not feasible or adding a lot? Yes, I, I am definitely, I'm, I'm open to that, yes. That's great. Right. You know, and, and as long as people understand that, hey, you, you got this, but it, it might not be adding a lot, so there's no real reason to make the effort. Uh, you know, and I can understand that completely. And and someone made a suggestion. I'm like, well, that's sort of already in the game. Why do we need that again? And they're like, yeah, good point. So as part of our setup that Bruce and I are going to try to to create for mod, you know, updating the rules and correcting typos and you know, ship stats and things like that, we'll also have the ability to make requests for features and such. Or even, a, 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 I would love to see a request of, here's some different options for the next game. What do you want? I mean, the best way to get players to play is play a game then, you know, with the options that they want. You know, so you're talking about uh, requesting uh, certain options on a game. And I think Bruce, sure. uh, Paul, Paul has already said that he's willing to take custom games. And that would be great. You know, even yeah. suggestions. Okay, I love the five-year jump. Great. Let's throw that in there as a possibility. You know, check your two best, you know, options that you want in a in a game to, you know, for the next one that comes out. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's sort of different than modifying the game. One's requesting a certain set, right. custom settings on the existing engine. And one is you know, completely, for, completely. For prepping for the next one. Yeah. I'm looking towards right. what kind of input can people put, you know, cause the best thing to do is to give people what, put a quick, give them what they yeah. want. Right. Right. I mean, I mean, if I can play, wow, I'd really like to play in a game with this kind of option. I don't even know that that's an option to play in a game. Well, great. You know, maybe we start in year 150 and everyone's using old ships. I, I don't know. You know, what? what right. Oh, anyway. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's why I've been putting out the uh, videos of the, uh, the web-based clients so people can provide feedback on what they want. And I've gotten some good feedback already. And, and yeah. uh, I'll, put it, I'll put in a plug to get more feedback and i've got some ideas towards a, a simple excel sheet that people can pull in their ship listing for example and it could break it out and give them a little bit more knowledge and understanding and control about what's in that ship listing and hey maybe they can type in their turns and take it into a into a the uh the aid and make it that much easier okay all right. So, uh, Paul, thank you for your time. Thanks. Any uh, final comments you'd like to leave with us? Yes. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a few. Uh, number one, um, just a reminder that I, for each orders in the zip file, there is a CSV file. Um, and can, that can be brought into Excel. And actually, if you keep the formatting correct, I actually have a process to process that and create a game file from it um, on my end. So if you want to submit a CSV file to me, I'd be happy to take it. So just to be clear on that, Paul, because, you know, the, the turn comes out in a zip file, unzip it, you see all the different files, that CSV is a listing of all the ships, and it has space to put in your orders. 
where mm -hmm. your ships are, where your orders are, how many orders you can put in. It tells you your age, your crew, what optional items and everything are on there. Mm -hmm. They could then fill that out with what orders they want to save it and send that in, which is a heck of a lot better than trying to interpret a faxed picture of your turn. Yep. Thanks. Definitely. It's not as good as an aid turn, but it's it's still a minor process. I actually had a, had one one um, player at one time using that. That's number number one. Um, number two, please, you know, if if you know somebody that might be interested in playing Starfleet Warlord, please, you know, introduce them. I'm more than happy to run a learner's game for anyone who wants to learn. Um, I've, it's, it's a basic, um, three by three, you start in the middle and all you're surrounded by NPCs and go, go from there. You know, it, I have a program for a one week turnaround, but if you have a turnaround in a day, I'll do my best to turn around to you as soon as possible, possibly the next day, maybe the day after that. But I promise I will get to you as soon as possible. As long as they use game. the aid, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> as long as they use the aid, the aid would be tr a tremendous, tremendous help. Obviously, you know, I can I can try to do the same thing for for manual orders because one of the great things about um, short games because learners' games also end after ten turns. You don't have that. You, you you're not going to have that many ships. In which case, entering orders is actually quite quick. Early, that's one thing early on in the game, it might take me, what, two minutes to enter in one sheet of orders. Yep. But, hey, it'd be great to be able to learn how to use the aid and get that kind of turnaround. I and, agree. I definitely you know, encourage using the you know, aid when possible. You know, it is 2020, and most people have a computer. Yep. And, if you, if, and obviously, if you have a problem with the aid, installing the aid, getting it to run, please feel free to contact me at warlord at play dash by-e-mail.com email will be below after the podcast yes <laughs> that's that that's a great to know paul and i think that's an awesome service to give new players because a lot of the problem that i see is just and, and i'm talking to people is just that mechanics of how it works and once you get to how it works you're going to start enjoying it a lot more yep yep all right, Paul, thank you so much for your time. I'm sure uh, in future podcasts we'll, we'll have you back. And um, speaking of which, our second podcast. So we would love to hear uh, from our listeners on what topics you would like us to cover. Our specific topic for episode number two is the first four turns. Uh, and so we're going to discuss that. If any of you who are listening would like to be a guest for uh, episode number two, please email us at podcasts at crazy-cockatoo.com. The email will be in the episode notes below. Also use that same email to submit future topics for future podcasts. We want to keep this going, uh, build some excitement around it, uh, share some knowledge, uh, create a more competitive uh environment as we up our skills thank you everyone for listening bruce final comments no have fun be good can't be good don't get caught well said but follow the rules <laughs> thanks everyone 